Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. It must be really relaxing if you're able to sit down and paint a picture. Uh, That's not something that I can do. Uh, I'm limited to uh, stick drawings at best. And so there's always was a little bit of tension whenever Kath and I played Pictionary uh, because my drawing skills weren't so good, but it's probably good not to go there and mention that. We've had a few tense moments over Pictionary over the years, but I don't have the ability to paint, but I'd imagine it would be very relaxing to be able to sit down and to paint. And if, if you want to imagine for a moment that you've got the paints and the easel there in front of you and God's gifted you with that ability, if I was to ask you to draw something that represented total peace, I wonder what you'd draw. Perhaps it might be that uh, meandering river through a countryside. Uh, it might be someone uh, sitting under a big shady tree on a hot day with a cold beverage. Uh, or it might be one of those beautiful lakes Uh, that reflect the mountainside. Uh, I wonder what it'd be if I was to ask you to paint something that represented peace. Uh, There's an old fable about a king in the kingdom that set up a painting competition and it was a the theme was the same the people of the kingdom had to draw a picture uh, of something that represented peace. So to cut a long story short it came down to two entries that the king had to decide between. There was one which sort of had the typical uh, green flowing hills and the white fluffy clouds. Uh, But surprisingly, the king chose another painting that was the winner. And it was a terrible storm. Uh, There was uh, thunder and lightning striking the side of a mountainside with dark and threatening clouds. But in the ledge of the rock of the mountainside, there was a bird uh, sitting peacefully in its nest. And although you and I, and I understand why I do the same thing, we have a picture of peace as being an absence of strife or trouble. Our idea of a peaceful existence is there's no problems, everything goes smoothly. But I'm sorry, but that's a pipe dream. Uh, That's a fanciful thing that we have in our minds. It's the unattainable uh, because life's not like that. So we sort of come to this place of understanding that although we desire a life without any difficulty, without any pain, that our peaceful life would be just this smooth existence, that's actually never going to happen. And so we have to come to a place of understanding, and we're going to try and do that today, of how we can have peace in the midst of the storm, how we can have peace in the midst of trouble, how we can experience God's peace even though everything in our life perhaps is not as we would want it. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 26, uh, we're going to have a look at the faith that we need to have to be able to trust God in the midst of the storm. And we're going to tie down some really important principles that you and I have to have in our life if we want to experience God's peace. Uh, These are things that we need to put in place because... Um, peace just doesn't come to us in the cornflakes packet. Uh, Peace is not something that we can buy. Peace is not something that we can just learn as such. We actually have to be intentional to put in place certain things that enables us to have a foundation by which we can be at peace even though everything else is uh, troubled around us. 
And from Isaiah chapter 6, from verse 1, in fact, the very first three words give us a really important insight into this principle. The first three words help us to see a really important principle that we need to put in place when we're trusting God and we want to experience His peace. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and its ramparts. And when Isaiah uses that phrase, in that day, he is looking ahead. He has this faith to believe that one day this is what God will do. Because the reality is at this present time, when Isaiah is writing this, the city is in great despair. The city is being threatened. Uh, The leaders are rebellious of God. Uh, They're worshipping idols. There's this great injustice amongst the poor and the needy. And so the city is in a really bad place in the now. Terrible. And we'll read later on of the burden that Isaiah carries for the people. But he looks ahead and he says, in that day, he has a picture of how God is going to restore Jerusalem and he has a picture of the future of what God's going to do. And so a constant theme in the book of Isaiah is this idea of two cities. There's the the city that's uh, broken and desperate, but in the future, Isaiah has a picture of what is to come. But as we look at verse 9 and 10, we get an insight into how badly Isaiah himself is struggling. And and I suppose you and I can associate with this because he talks about being awake at night and during the day with worry. Worry surrounds him. He's burdened by this sense. You know, sometimes when you can't sleep or you wake up early in the morning or in the middle of the night and you just have this burden of worry. Well, this is the way that Isaiah is feeling. And as we look at verse 9 and 10, he makes this really clear. He said, my soul yearns for you in the night. I'm sure we all know what that is like. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. Though grace is shown to the wicked, they do not lean learn righteousness. Even in the land of the upright, they go on doing evil and regard not the majesty of the Lord. So certainly part of Isaiah's burden is that the people aren't listening to him. He's trying to talk to them and share about the love of God and how he wants to restore them, but they're not listening. And so Isaiah may not well be concerned about himself, but he is deeply anxious, uh, deeply concerned. He is stressed because he has this message of love and mercy and grace, but the people aren't listening. And so I know this is really hard, and it's a hard lesson to learn. Maybe we'll have to keep learning it till the day we die. But if we want to experience God's peace, we have to understand something. The reality of unavoidable distress in our life. Pain and suffering and anxiety is something we have to come to terms with, and we have to realise that God's peace is not the absence of problems. God's peace is not the absence of pain or difficulty. Now, the reality is I've been a Christian, I suppose, for 40 years or more. (laughs) Grew up in a Christian home. Always had the influence of, uh, of my parents and my family. But I can share with you there is constant contradiction and conflict with my faith. Not me personally, but there are things that are happening in my life and in your life which challenge me. 
How can this be so? God, what are you doing? I don't understand that. There is so much sadness and so much pain in life that my faith is not not a doubt of my faith, but there is contradictions to my faith in the sense that I'm asking God questions. God, I trust you. I'll always trust you, but this doesn't make sense. And I think that's okay. And I don't think we're being real until we've asked the same question. If everything makes sense to you, please come and talk to me. I'm happy to buy you coffee. I'm happy for you to tell me. If everything makes sense and it all works out and you have this perfect picture of God, talk to me because I haven't yet discovered it. I have a faith that can't be broken, but I live in this, this conflict, this, this trial, I suppose. And so what Isaiah is trying to teach us is this. If we are seeking after a peace that comes from a life that has no trouble, that's a pipe dream. It's not going to happen. Some people might preach it, but I can't, because I can't preach it because it's not true. It's not true from Scripture, it's not true from your life, and it's not true from mine. So I can sell you a story and get you all excited about if you do the right thing and you stand on your head and you hold your, your eyes the right way, God will just look after everything. It'll be a nice little neat package. <laughs> but that's not true. And Isaiah here is someone who's a prophet of God, he's trusting God, but he's lying awake at night. God, what's going on? Why won't these people listen to me? Why won't they listen to you? He is distressed and anxious. And so the challenge for us this morning to, to grasp this idea of living in peace, come to the terms with the fact that it's a peace despite the trouble. It's a peace despite the pain. It's peace in the midst of those things. However, because God is gracious and good and because he has the best for us, do you know our pain is never wasted? Our, our struggles are never wasted. And so when we come to that place of realising the chaos in our own life, when we come to that place of realising how helpless we really are, when we're honest enough to stand back and say, you know what, I've got nothing. It's at that moment when we have nothing, when we're experiencing pain and we, we've sort of been laid flat, that you and I have the potential to become humble. We become humble when we realise that we don't have power to bring about the outcomes that we want and so yes we want a peaceful life we want all our kids to be healthy and happy we want everything to work out right it's okay to want that perfect life but it's never going to happen and the, when we come to that place of realizing that we can't we can't make it happen we become humble now our faith is built on the importance of you and I coming to that place of being helpless. Helpless. Not a little bit of me and a little bit of God will work it out. Not 70% of God and 30% of me will get through. But our faith is built on this belief that we are totally dependent on God. And the only way that I have ever come to that place of realising that I'm totally dependent on Him is because of all the failures and the strife and the pain that I've experienced. Without the pain, I would be proud. Now, I can be proud at the best of times. I can sort of raise my head up and think I've got it all sorted and I'm this and I'm that and I don't really need God that much. <laughs> Imagine if I never had any pain or strife or difficulty, how big-headed I'd be. And yet the reality is that God uses our pain. It's never wasted because he knows the key ingredient to being at peace is to know who we're trusting, who we're leaning on. Look at verse 5 and 6. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. 
He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed and the footsteps of the poor. It's actually in the end, Isaiah paints this picture, that the poor and humble are the ones that are going to enjoy all the blessing. We learn humility. We learn it. We are not born with it. It is not a natural gift. It's not something that we're blessed with. We actually learn humility. And so through the events of life and through our weaknesses and sin, uh, we come to this place. And that's why there's judgment. That's why we come to the place of realising there has to be justice. We cannot avoid judgment. We cannot avoid justice because it's the way that God brings us back to himself. And so if we have a picture that's slightly disordered and we can't understand, why does God seek justice? Why is there judgment? Without justice and judgment, without that understanding that we fall short, we would never come to God. You see, we cannot impress God with our own righteousness. We are totally dependent on Him. And so we learn to trust God. You and I cannot restore our own lives. Salvation doesn't come from us. So this is really important. We can go no further than our despair until we trust God. If we're not trusting God, we're just going to be lumped with our despair and our pain and our anxiety. We'll never go past that until we trust God. We can muffle it, we can silence it, we can dress it up, but we never actually get past our anxiety and our pain. We never get past our despair until we trust God. How do we come to that point of trusting God? We realise that we're broken. We realise that we need to be humbled. We realise that we come to this place where we realise that we cannot do it ourselves. Now you know, those who know me well, that I'm a grace person and I will, uh, from the, the heights of the hill, continue to talk about God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. I don't have to tell you what to do. All you need to do is know how much God loves you, he'll look after the rest. I don't have to give you a lecture on all the things you should and shouldn't be doing because God is for you. And if you learn to love him because he loves you so much, your lifestyle will follow naturally the right path. However, as a grace person, I realise this. If God didn't present judgment, if there wasn't a justice element of our faith, you and I would not come to him. You and I would stay in our pride and our arrogance. And so I see God's justice in this case when it talks about Isaiah and the city and how he's saying the people will not learn, they will not listen. We have to come to that place where we realise that justice is something that we need to face. However, this is the important thing. We don't focus on our brokenness. We don't focus on our need of him in that sense. Humility and brokenness leads us to grace. It's only a means to an end. So some people can just harp away and keep banging the pulpit about how bad we are. Some people can keep telling us how weak we are. We don't really need anyone to tell us too often because I know. But the reason we need to understand justice is where it leads to. Without justice, we don't appreciate grace. Without judgment, we don't appreciate God's love. And so Isaiah understands that important place where you and I come to where we are broken, where we are brought to our knees, where we come to that place and realise without God we are nothing. And until we come to that place, we'll never get past despair, we'll never get past worry, we'll never get past anxiety until we truly learn to trust God. 
So this is the choice. We invest in our helpless state and we go into denial and we chase after that pipe dream, I can make my life perfect and good, or we trust God. Now many will, will know and some people would be enjoying the present circumstances, but I like watching football and I support the Brisbane Broncos. Thanks, Ash, I was expecting that. <laughs> now, you don't have to be following football at all, and, and, but you would know at the moment that club's just falling apart. It's a really bad time. Yet in the past, it was, you know, it was seen as the elite club. Many people thought they were privileged, uh, and they'd had really good results, they have a lot of money, they have all these things, so they were considered one of the elite clubs, but now they're falling apart. It's just another insight that anything that is bold and great in human eyes always falls. Any empire, any business, any standing that's just human always falls. And Isaiah is reminding us here that the leaders of Jerusalem, although he's been warning them and telling them they won't listen, they're arrogant and they're proud, and because of that, the city's going to fall over. And he goes on to paint a picture of... (laughs) just how weak that we are by using the symbolism of childbirth. Now, I'm a clever man, and I understand that a man doesn't talk about the pain of childbirth too much. (laughs) We don't go there. Uh, But Isaiah uses this insight, the symbolism, just to show how helpless we are. Look at what he says from verse 17. As a woman with child is about to give birth, she cries out in pain. So we were in your presence, O Lord. We were with child, we arrived in pain, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth, we have not given birth to the people of this world. Now, I understand that the great joy of having a baby in your arms is enough to cover that tremendous pain that you women go through to give birth. But what he is talking about here is how useless we are to bring about our own peace. How useless we are to bring about our own salvation. How inadequate we don't have the, we don't have the potential, uh, we don't have the ability to produce this for ourselves. You and I cannot give birth to our own peace. We try, we're in pain, there's a lot of effort but there's no baby to show for it. And it's this wonderful picture of how we go through all the pain and all the effort and all the difficulty, but what do we produce? Nothing. Because you and I cannot give birth to our own peace. You and I cannot give birth to our own salvation. At some point, that humility gives us the opportunity to be driven to God and to trust Him. So there's these two cities, there's one in despair ruled by arrogant people, leaders who won't listen to God and it's falling apart and you know what, Isaiah looks ahead and he knows it's going to get far worse. Why? Because he knows that God's in the business of restoration and restoring. God doesn't want to tear the city down but he understands it has to fall before it can be rebuilt. And out of compassion, Isaiah knows that this is going to get far worse in Jerusalem before anything is going to get better. But Isaiah has this picture of what's going to happen in the future. In that day, there will be times when you and I will experience pain and hardship and difficulty, we'll be distressed, it'll be like our our life's come to an end and the only thing that will get us through that difficulty is this thought, 
There is a day coming when God will rebuild. There is a day coming when he will restore. There is a day coming in the future where things will come together as they meant to be. And so we need to get a bit of a recap just to see where we're traveling, just to pain and distress is unavoidable. We can live in denial, but reality will soon wake us up. We cannot have that pipe dream where we can have a life without difficulty. But we've got a bigger problem. It's not just life's difficult. The bigger problem is this. You and I cannot give birth to the answers. You and I can't help ourselves. You and I can't give birth to the peace that we want. And so this is the kicker. This is it. The key is humility. Are we going to trust ourselves or are we going to trust God? Because when we look to trust God in humility, you know what becomes really obvious to us? We seek out the power of God. That's a natural response. We never seek out the power of God if we think we're powerful. We never seek out the power of God if we think we've got all the answers. The only time we seek out the power of God is in humility. And look what Isaiah describes in verse 13 and 15 about the power of God. O Lord our God, other lords beside you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honour. They are now dead. They live no more. Those departed spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped them out and of all memory of them. You have enlarged the nation, O Lord, and have enlarged the nation. You have gained glory for yourself and you have extended all the borders of the land. The enemy here is all the kings and the foreign armies. And it's interesting, but all the foreign kings and armies said, you know, we're going to wipe you out. <laughs> we're going to destroy Jerusalem. We're just going to wipe you out. There'll be nothing left. And Isaiah has this faith in the belief that it's going to turn around totally. There's, that's not going to be the case. In fact, the foreign kings and the foreign am- enemies will be wiped out and they'll have no lasting control over the people. But not only that, this is what God's able to do. All the foreign armies said that we're going to take over your land. You're not going to even exist. But Isaiah has this faith and the hope. You know what's going to happen? You're actually going to extend your boundaries. You're going to have greater lands. See the turnaround? See the change? Human pride and boasting is saying, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to take over. There'll be nothing left of you. But the reality is God is at work and he's powerful and he's going to provide protection for Jerusalem in the future and the boundaries are actually going to grow. So this is where our peace comes from. Believing in the power of God that we can trust that he can turn things around. In the present, the city's falling apart. There's chaos, there's confusion. But what's Isaiah doing? He's singing a song of joy. Why? Because he says, in that day... I know there's a day coming, I trust and believe there's a day coming where God's going to do all that he needs to do. God gives us the hope of the unexpected victory. And Amy shared with us about the storm on the lake and how that happened. You know, God gives us the the faith to believe in that unexpected victory. Uh, My brother once owned a drag car. Uh, And he wasn't at this particular meeting. It was quite a a high standard, not that he wasn't high standard, but he didn't have a car as fast as some of the others. Anyway, we went to this race meeting and there were top fuel drag cars there. Now, you need to understand, um, these cars are amazing. They do the quarter mile, or anyone who's younger than me, that's, um, uh, you know, about 400 metres, but they do that in about three and a half seconds. In three and a half seconds they reach a speed of 540 kilometres an hour in the quarter mile. They are incredible. 
And so we're at this meeting, we're sitting in the grandstands, and um, the chaplain, they have a chaplain, obviously when you're doing that speed, that's a good thing to have. They have a chaplain who prays, Uh, a lady sang the national anthem, and as soon as she finished the last note, these two top fuelers started their engines. The grandstands shook, just starting the engines. And when they did their pass, when they did a quarter mile and three and a half seconds, reaching 540 kilometres an hour in a distance that we can just see ahead, everything shook. Now, I was amazed, but there was a part of me that was almost scared. This power was so unbelievable, it was mind-blowing. There was a sort of a fear and amazement and excitement all at the same time. Amazing power. We start to enjoy God's peace when we believe in the power of God that in that day, one day in the future, God's going to bring it together. The world is not dictating to God how things are going. He's not just reacting to what's happening in the world and think, oh, what will I do now? He has a plan and a purpose and he is powerful and we can join with Isaiah and have this firm belief in that there's a day coming in the future where it'll all come together perfectly in his plan. And that's where our peace comes from. That's where our hope comes from. Because God has the power to breathe new life into every circumstance. Now, he's going to breathe new life into all of us when we die physically. We're going to get new bodies and we're going to get new life. I don't know what age. I don't know where, how. Don't ask me the questions. I'm just trusting that I'm going to get a better gig than what I've got now. So there's a day when I die that God's going to restore me. But God just doesn't give new birth to dead bodies. He gives new birth to relationships. He gives new birth to priorities and principles. He gives new birth to the future. If the future worries you and it concerns you and you're anxious, God can give you rebirth where you're not worried about the future. You're not concerned because that's what God does. He rebirths things. He gives us new hope and new life. And how does Isaiah give us a picture of rebirth? In the deserts of Jerusalem, well, he talks about the dew. There's this heavy dew that falls into the dust and it brings life and growth and little shoots of life. And he uses the symbolism of a graveside because they're normally dirty, dusty places that trap people under the ground. And Isaiah gives us this wonderful, beautiful picture of the way that God raises us up as we read from verse 19. But your dead will live their bodies will rise. I love this. Look what he says. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. That's my little mantle from now on. (laughs) You who dwell in the dust, sometimes our mind and our spirits are brought down low. The evil one and the weights of the world, they're so heavy that we're, you know, down in the dumps, down in the dust. Wake up and shout for joy. Your Jew God is like the dew of morning and earth will give birth to her dead. What a beautiful picture. God has the power and the ability to give life to the dead. Not just physically, but he gives life to our priorities and our dreams and our hopes and all those things. God breathes life into us. Now, there's a really important thing for us to understand when it comes to power. Power is hopeless without compassion. Now, I know all the policemen that we have in our church here, and they're all compassionate. Because when they write out the ticket, they would smile and say thank you and give it to you nicely. (laughs) But see, if it's just power, you're a dictator. If it's just power and no compassion, there's someone to be feared. 
So it's not enough to know that God's all-powerful, otherwise we'd be trembling in our boots what he's going to do to us. But we know that God is also compassionate, and that's important. Lord, God, all-powerful, almighty, who can do anything at any time, Lord, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. So God is on our side. And perfect peace comes to us when we understand that he is also compassionate. He is also gracious and he is on our side. We need to come to that place. Now, this is really important because unless we understand that he's both powerful and compassionate, we'll never trust him. Unless we understand that he is both powerful and compassionate, we'll never put our faith in him. Because our understanding of total power is that it's corrupted and we can never trust it. But God is compassionate. How does that make a difference? Well, we need to get to this place. We need to understand he may well tear down the false, but only because he wants to rebuild the truth. He may well destroy the city of chaos and confusion, but only so he can build a a city of salvation. And when it comes to us and people, he may well challenge the adulterous and the rebellious, but he only does that so he can turn them into faithful and committed followers of his. God will do whatever he can to open people's eyes to the truth that they need him. That's his compassion. It far outweighs the justice. It far outweighs the judgment. God reaches into people's lives so they understand that they need him, that they are nothing without him. And so Isaiah says there's this other city, and you know what? He said the gates are open. And it's free. You don't have to pay. (laughs) And everyone can come in. There's this other city. There's a city of chaos, confusion, but there's this other city that God has and he invites people to come on in. And maybe there are people here. Maybe there are people at home. Maybe there are people watching this on Wednesday or Thursday next week. But God is inviting you to come on in. Why? Because you're outside the city of God. You're outside of his peace. Your hope is still in yourself. You still believe that your own righteousness is enough. You still believe that you've got it. You're not a bad person and you're not. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that if we don't have Christ, that we're not a part of his family. So there's this great city and God's saying, come on in, come on in. And I believe there could be people here today or people at home who need to come in. God is amazingly powerful, but he's also limitless in compassion. And the only thing he cares about is you. Come on in. Come on in. And so we conclude this morning with the question that we asked right at the very beginning. How do we enjoy perfect peace? How do we enjoy that peace that you and I long for? And we find that in verses 2 and 4. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. In other words, come on in, enjoy God, trust him, rest in him. Come on in those that keep faith. And look at this, you will keep in, keep in perfect peace those whose mind is steadfast because they trust you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is your rock eternal. Perfect peace is ours when we trust God. Sometimes we're trusting God in advance. Sometimes we have peace now, but we have to wait for the final chapter before it all comes together. But Isaiah is in the midst of great distress and anxiety, but he has this picture of in that day, this song we will sing. 
He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast. Do you know, have you ever wanted to be a time traveller? You know, we all are. We are all time travellers because by faith and belief in God, we can project ourselves forward into the future. We know what's going to happen. We know what it's, we might be limited to the now, but you and I can all time travel. We can project our existence to the future where we look forward to that time when God will bring it everything together, when we'll enjoy his perfect peace. We can all be time travellers because by faith we're able to take ourselves forward to the time when God... Why? Because he's powerful and he's compassionate and he keeps his promises. I pray this morning that if... Like me, there are times when you feel like, oh, I just want some peace. I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm worried. I just want some peace. Well, the reality is there's nothing that you can do or I can do that will give you a life where there's no distress and trouble. Peace is not about an absence of pain. God's peace comes to us in the midst of pain. How do we get to that point? Well, we realise that we can't give birth to it. We struggle, we give all the effort, we're going through all the pain, we're trying to make it happen, but there's no baby at the end for us. We just go through all the pain, but we can't deliver it. So what do we do? We either go into denial or we trust God. But if we trust God, we'll discover that he's powerful. Our pain and our humility will lead us to a powerful God. You know what? He's not only powerful, but he's for you. He is good and just. He's all powerful, but he's all compassionate. So you can trust him. And when we trust him, we become time travellers. We may not be in a good state right now, but we can project forward and we can see and we can feel and we can experience the blessing of God in the future. We can see that new city. And because of that, we have peace. So God's word to me, and maybe it's to you, but he's given me this phrase, you who dwell in the dust, (laughs) you who are dead, in, in, in that sense, no joy, sometimes no hope. He says, wake up and sing for joy because God is faithful and good and powerful and in him we'll have perfect peace. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the words of Isaiah, a, a prophet who carried the burden of sharing your love to people who didn't want to listen. But Father God, despite his present despair and distress, he had a picture of the future. And because he knew that you were powerful and you were gracious and you were compassionate, he knew that he could trust you. And Isaiah's faith was such that he could see and feel and hear and experience the new city that was going to come. And even in his pain, he sung for joy. Lord, I pray today that we'd understand this perfect peace is available to us as long as we're humble, as long as we're broken enough, as long as we're not offended by the cross, as long as we're honest enough to realise that we need you. As we reach out to you in grace, you'll receive us. And if there is justice and there is judgment, we understand, God, your heart is only for us. That's just a means to a very good end. Without us being broken, we'll never come to you. We're self-righteous and full of pride. But when we're broken and humble, we realize, I can trust God and he's actually for me. And he's not just powerful, but he's compassionate. He's not a dictator. 
but he's my good, good father and I can trust him. Do you make your response this morning? Do you make your response if you're outside the city gates because God's encouraging you, come on in, come on in. Maybe as his children, he's encouraging us, come and enjoy this peace. Trust me, trust me. Come and enjoy this peace. Don't live in stress and anxiety, but trust me, have my peace. Would you make your response? And Father God, as Matthew leads us and as we sing this new song together, help us to be reminded of this perfect peace that's available as long as our mind is steadfast as long as it's on you.